Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen... I give you Stu and Blake. Right, quickly, before we get on with the episode, we've got an announcement. The MMA Fan Podcast is now sponsored by Free Train. Blake, what's Free Train? Free Train is a fantastic company that do these amazing vests for when you run, when you train. Whether you're going for a run or hitting the bag, you can keep your phone close to your chest. And uh, yeah, they're brilliant. They've got a little pocket for your keys. You No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket or at an awkward angle on your arm or anything like that. You've got the vest on. Phones there, easy access to it. They do some great uh, gloves as well to keep your hands warm and be able to touch the phone and everything. It's all linked up with your phone. So, yeah, they're a fantastic brand. A couple of pockets for your keys. Everything you need when you go for a run or if you're hitting the bag training. And you're not just saying this for the sake of it. Before they even become our sponsors, you had one of these vests, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've, well, I've still got it. I run with it all the time. But yeah, before they became our sponsors, I had one of these vests. They are genuinely brilliant. I really like them. And uh, yeah, I'm really pleased they're our sponsor. And if you want one, if you head over to freetrain.com, when you go shopping and you put all your stuff in your in your basket, just before you check out, if you put in the code MMAFAN, you'll save yourself 10%. Don't say we don't spoil you here on this podcast. 10% off an amazing vest from Free Train. www.freetrain.com. All right, let's get on with the show. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me, laughing like a hyena for some reason. Blake Harrison, (laughs) hello. What's funny? 
Uh, no, I just thought I didn't know if we were going to do that thing. Like, I thought you were going to pause for ages thinking, am I going to start and you're going to start? And I've, I've been leaving it to you for loads lately. So, yeah, I just thought it was how funny. Are you? you amuse me. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'll tell you what, let's waste no time. Let, let, let's bring uh, our guests straight into the fold. Scribius Pip, welcome back. How are you? It's good to be back. I'm good, lads. And before we get into anything, I need to give a quick shout out to you boys. That episode with the Hardwick brothers was just so good. I genuinely, I, I, I tweeted about it because I genuinely almost skipped it because I'm like, oh, I'm not familiar with these guys. And you were putting a lot out of that period, right, with the Cage Warriors yes. build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was so pleased I didn't skip it because those boys are hilarious. And then obviously I watched the event with extra attention on them and they were amazing in there as well. But great work, gents. It was so good. They're such legends. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, I mean, they made it really fun. They're just two really, really funny guys. And I think it's really nice that they come as a little pair. They they come as a double act. And just the fact that like... George is clearly there being like, oh, well, when he's fighting, I'm just watching YouTube or like, you know, he has this watching really... Watching Uncle Roger. I'm a is big that... fan of Uncle Roger, which is what he was watching on YouTube instead of his brother's fight. Love it. Uh, but then having like really intense stare downs and he, you realise, oh, no, he just had an upset stomach and he was trying not to shit himself. I mean, that is, that's just brilliant. That's just, yeah, I love it. Shout out to the Hardwick oh. brothers. I hope they're listening and uh, yeah, we'll maybe get them on again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, obviously we're here today to look ahead to UFC 267. Um, However, we're recording this on Sunday the 24th uh, in the wake of last night's scrap. Uh, A couple of, well, not a couple of big boys, a a big boy and an even bigger boy um, fought last night. So should we we touch on that card? Yeah, yeah. Costa Vittori, obviously there's the massive, um, scheduled to be a middleweight fight. Costa seems to just turn up really overweight and say, oh, I'm not going to make middleweight. They then sign a £195 catchweight agreement. And then like a day or two after that, Costa then realises he won't even make £195, so they make it a light heavyweight fight at 205. Obviously, the usual thing when someone misses weight 20% 20% of Costa's purse was forfeited to Vittori, but that it kind of just doesn't feel like it tells the whole story, does it? Because it's like, it wasn't just a, oh, he stepped on the scales and missed way or whatever. It's like, it seemed to be purposefully just not even trying, whilst at the same time knowing that Vittori will be cutting weight. He will be dieting down and then getting to the stage where he has to like water load and cut all the water weight and all that kind of stuff. So he's trying to go in with, it feels like he was purposefully trying to go in with an unfair advantage and he made very little effort to actually make any form of weight uh, or agreed weight anyway. Um, so yeah, but well done to Vittori for for kind of just, I don't know, just being a really game fighter and just going, I don't give a shit, I'm just going to take you on anyway. I, what were your thoughts on it, Pip? Yeah, I completely agree. Um I never foresaw a situation where Vittori would be the hero going into a fight because no. he's, he, he doesn't normally <laughs> cover himself in glory and, and be the most likeable guy, but 100% on his side as he goes in. I will just say that they did mention briefly on commentary that Costa had alluded to some kind of issues in his camp that he said he'll go into at a later date or whatever. And It could be excuses, it could be nonsense and bullshit, but always a little bit of caution on we don't know what's going on with 
so many things in the world at the moment. But yeah, well, it on did that, just seem like absolute shit housing of going. Oh, we'll do one ninety five. Nah, nah, we won't. We'll do just yeah. What I've you. heard, just just to pick up on that, what I've yeah. heard is that he had a torn left bicep. Right. So that's why. But that to me. I mean, look, I've never torn my bicep. I barely have any biceps, but I just still like it's the, you know, I don't, I don't feel like that's enough to just not bother with, with the weight. Cause I think we've heard stories of fighters with far worse injuries, leg injuries, all that kind of stuff where they have made the weight. hundred percent. I think if it had stayed at the 195, I might have thought, well, maybe if his camp was genuinely less active, he might be coming a bit heavy, but the fact that they moved to 195 and then moved it up again, it's laziness and it's just terrible attitude. And but yeah. it's not just him. It's, you know, it's his, you know, the people in his camp as well. He's ranked mm. number two in the world. They've got, you know, they're on the payroll and, they, you know, they've got a duty to ensure that everything is on target. So there's got to be something something happening there in camp for the fact that he's so far off. You know, this must have been going on for a while because you will be cutting weight weeks ago, starting to slowly make that weight. And I do think that there's definitely something going on in camp other than injury. It it really, his interviews about it and everything, and even with his being on the red wine before the Adesanya for all of this, reeks of ego and arrogance. And I mean... I slightly understand it because look at him. <laughs> yeah. how, how wouldn't you be arrogant? He's g- g- gorgeous and he's built like a god and he was like he's the number two hardest guy in his weight class in the world. I can see that going to someone's head, but that doesn't that maybe means you shouldn't continue as a professional fighter because you need to get that shit sh- 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 under control. G- go and do you know Jake Paul circus type I mean fighting events. Uh, we'll talk about the fight, but just on the fact that you said, you know, rarely is anybody going to be Team Vittori. I love the fact that the UFC are thinking, right, we can market him now. He's going to be the hero that's going to come out of this. Puts on the display that he put on, and they just think, brilliant. Stick the I mic in his face. Yeah. So, Costa, well, he's a cunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> just blown it out the water straight away. Tell you what, though, I was thinking... This earlier on today, as much as all of this has been a massive annoyance, it upped the excitement for this fight massively, right? Yeah, it was it a really fight did. I was probably looking forward to. Yeah, decent enough, better than some of the recent headlines. But this controversy had me dying to see the baddie lose and the goodie win as such. And then when they actually got in there, despite the commentary keep talking about it, I didn't think the weight difference looked ridiculous it ended up feeling like a really kind of yeah a good a good bit of promo in the end i i wish they'd just privately behind closed closed doors a week or so ago said should we not uh, not bother cutting weight let's just make a big drama instead instead and promote the fight but yeah i don't think that's how it happened but it definitely it got everyone talking Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing with with any of these fights. The thing that really, really drives me to watch it is is the stakes. What's at stake? And when you've got two guys that have been beaten by the champion, that you know, I mean, all right, they're they're doing well in a middleweight division that is maybe slightly shallow. Um, they, you know, they, they, there's not a huge amount at stake. It's it's a fun fight, and it's a fight I would have been very interested to watch regardless. But 
only because of, oh, it's two guys that are going to go to war with each other. Not because, oh, the winner of this is probably next in line for a title shot. Vittori's not getting a title shot now with Adesanya as champion. Costa's probably miles off of that, uh, even if he'd have won the fight. So there wasn't a huge amount of stake. And this drama did give it something extra, didn't it? And I was, as you say, I was there going, oh, fuck, I actually find myself wanting Vittori to win. I never thought I'd say that. I'm I'm team Vittori. Nick Pete did an amazing tweet before it started last night saying <clears throat> Costa could turn all of this around if he wins and then calls out the winner of next week's 205 a, a, a light heavyweight belt. Because, again, Vittori could have done that as well, just going, look, I was number two in my weight class or number three or whatever. I've just had a good win at, at, at 205. I like it at this weight. And let's go. Because, as you say, I can't see either of them really ever fighting Israel again because they were both so far behind his his mm. skills or skill set, particular skill set. But there was, um, I mean, there's been lots of talk on, on, on the socials. I see that um, Dan Hardy put a post up about if Costa's to now fight at light heavyweight, who would you like to see him fight? And there was there was lots of talk of Jimmy Manoa uh, on, on, on that right. tweet. Um, a lot of people saying Dominic Reyes would be a great fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, for me, apparently Dana's also said, no, he's staying where he is. So from, from what Dana's saying, he's staying at middleweight. But no, that Dana said, no, Dana said he's got to stay at 205. Oh, really? Right, yeah, that makes that, Dana, more sense. Yeah. Dana said right. he's, he's now staying at 205. He's that not fighting at middleweight That way more anymore. sense because I was thinking, yeah. why on earth are they going to try and keep him where he clearly can't make that weight? No, I mean, there was there was rumours flying around that he wanted to get cut. He maybe sees an opportunity to fight like a YouTuber or in Bellator or something like that and earn more money and arguably have less competition. Um, and he, he there was a rumour, possibly not true, that he wanted to get cut, which is why he's behaved the way he has. But Dana White's basically come out saying he was a nightmare this week, but when someone puts on a performance like he did... yeah. You know, you can't fault him. And, yeah, I mean, in, he will fight at 205. I think there's there's some great fights out there for him at 205. I think it could be really interesting to see how he does. What I was just quickly interested in was the fight itself. Mm-hmm. Did you actually score it the way the judges scored it? And what did you think of the point getting taken away for the eye poke when there was just one eye poke? It wasn't like he'd done it twice or three times. It was the first eye poke. and Jason Herzog apparently had been warning him previously, but I don't see that very often in fights where there's one eye poke and immediately it's like, point. And it makes you, the little conspiracist in my mind starts going, oh, are they just on him because of how he's been this week? Are they just I, on him? But I don't know. What do you think? I, I thought Herzog was absolutely on fire last night. His point yeah. deduction in the um, Bruce Leroy fight was fantastic. Um and the point deductions are meant to be, rather than a punishment, levelling out the damage done by the foul. So if the, if, if the foul is going to continue to affect the fight going forward, they can take one and even two points if they feel it's enough damage if the fighter wants to continue. And I felt, yeah, he had warned him of his, of his hands, so he said, again, I didn't particularly notice, but mm. there were warnings all night of people with their fingers out. There was a, a lot of it. So if he's warned him, then you you only have to t- 
to do it, it once. It shouldn't be a, I can get away with it once, mm. but if I do it again, I'll get a, a, a penalty. Because it's like, well, that's just a license to cheat, essentially, isn't it? So, yeah, I thought Do you it was think great. it was and, purposeful, though? Because it no, seemed accidental I, to me. I thought it looked accidental. Yeah, but again, it is still, it's the whole... I think the eye poke was accidental. I think the... The kick in the nuts he did almost immediately afterwards, which <laughs> which didn't get a stoppage, was completely yeah. his anger. Um, yeah, I think it was accidental, but I also think get control of your hands. I don't even like the, if you're going to have your fingers out, have them pointing up. Just don't have your fingers up. Just the mm. pointing up's a weird thing because it depends on the angle and the height difference and whatever. So, yeah, if, if, you're, if your fingers are constantly out... John Jones is an example of this. His fingers are constantly out when he fights... He almost always catches someone at some point. If it's a continued thing throughout your career, then just p- punish them immediately, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we, we're talking about Costa Zanzia, but I think we, we've got to spend a little bit of time talking about his legs because those kicks, and let's go, oh. props to Vittori, because Absolute he beast. wore every single one of them. And in the, at some point... Barely flinched, right? Exactly, barely flinched. And it was like, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't know which one of the commentators said, it, it sounds like they're kicking tie pads, but he's kicking a body. Mm. And like, it was, they were just ferocious. And that's a lot of weight behind them kicks. And they were lightning fast. And like I say, it just walked through them. The thing that gets me with Costa is he never loses his power. Like, I thought he looked gassed about halfway through the first round. It was bizarre. Mm. He got yeah. a second wind at places yeah. and things like that. But even when he was looking his most exhausted, he'd then just throw a punch or a kick that just looked like it would have knocked anyone else out. So, yeah, that's the constant threat of Costa, I guess. Mm. And is that is that also a byproduct of having fighters not cut weight? Like, if they had dehydrated their bodies, dehydrated their brains with that kick to what looked like sort of almost even the back of, of Vittori's head. It was like the side of the back of his, yeah. his head, it looked yeah. like there. Could that have easily knocked him out? Or or would Costa, having looked gassed in the first round, would he have got so tired that Vittori just puts it on him a bit and then the the ref's waving it off, you know? I'd, I don't know, but I mean, maybe that's something else to go. I don't think we'll ever see in the USC, or at least not for a long, long time, people fighting at their natural weight class. I think people will always try and get an advantage and always cut and all that kind of thing. But was it, is that what we saw last night? If they were fighting that fight at middleweight, would it have only lasted two rounds? And we got five yeah. rounds of, of really durability and back and forth and big, heavy shots and all that kind of stuff. Potentially. And that's, that's a, a great point because we've seen those exact shots land on people at middleweight who have had to cut weight and they've dropped... The question that then becomes, what's safer? Mm. <laughs> Getting knocked out Good in the first question. round or taking those punches for five rounds, like l- long-term damage and whatnot, it's it's an interesting one. It's probably It yeah. probably would do you better to get knocked out and then, all right, well, that happened, rather than taking them over and over again and not, not falling. But that's another discussion for another time, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. And... Today's discussion, well, 267. We're going to start at the top, gents. Let's do yeah. it. Works for me. Blakovich, Texiera, what are we saying? Well, I mean, essentially, both guys are full of, I've got quite like 
similar records of late. I think they're both on five fight win streaks. They haven't lost for, I think, I think uh, Teixeira hasn't lost in about three years. Blahovic for about two and a half years. Um, I think, I think it's actually going to be a really good fight. I mean, it's going to be a great fight and it'll be a bit of a fairy tale if Glover was able to pull this off at his age. Absolutely. But. 41. I know, but I have to say, I've basically gone kind of against Blahovic in like most fights. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, I think Blahovic is the favourite for this fight, which makes me think maybe Glover will end up winning. But um, I think on paper, the way I see it, I think, I think Blahovic should have too much for him on the feet. I think he's a way better striker. I also think he would have learned and he knows. Glover's one of those guys that prob- he eats shots all the time. Glover's so tough. I wouldn't be surprised if Blahovic knocks him down once or twice in the first two rounds, but Glover somehow survives. And then if Blahovic As gets... As we saw a- with like Smith. Yeah. I like the Smith fight. Blahovic Smith was... Just, or a Teixeira, sorry, just not going away. Yeah, and Smith was really putting it on him for the first mm-hmm. round and a bit. And then he seemed to gas himself out. I think Blahovic will be too intelligent for that. I think he would have seen Smith do it. He knows what Glover's about. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a really measured Blahovic just taking his time and almost outpointing him for the first few rounds. And Glover, like he's he's his striking is is you know it it's efficient and it's successful. Excuse me, to a point, but his head movement is it feels like it's not really. He just gets hit so often. Yeah, yeah. And I think that legendary Polish power, if that connects. He could be in trouble. I, th- I think Glover's big chance is trying to get the fight down. And Blahovic is great on the mat as well, but trying to get the fight down. And I think that's where he might have more of an advantage is in, in the grappling and see, see kind of what happens there. I mean, I think the thing that people forget a bit about Glover, or again, we saw it in Anthony Smith fight, in almost every fight, is he does have ridiculous power. He's not yeah. got the best footwork. He's not got the best head movement, but... Remember those early fights in the UFC with, I think, Maldonado, maybe even with Jimmy Manoa, in fact, where he's just throwing the heaviest hands, mm. you can see. And again, it's another one that he holds that power for five rounds. Yeah. You know, that that remains there. As we saw, when someone like Smith starts to gas, he's yeah. there just throwing these these bombs at him. And then again, you've got the ground game. So it is a really interesting one. But it's also a fight that three or four years ago, if you had to guess between this headline in a pay-per-view or the the fight pass prelims, you would have bet on the fight pass prelims because these were both guys who were kind of middle, in, mm. middle of the pack and getting older and older. So it, it is just beautiful to have these real journeymen as as the main event. It's it's a beautiful fight regardless of the, of the winner, I think. But I do think Blake's on to, to, to something there. It could be the first time Yan is the favourite in, like, any of his fights in years. So the yeah. the big irony would be if, if Teixeira then, uh, then takes it. Glover's record's ridiculous. The people that he has fought, he's literally fought everyone. Yeah. Absolutely everybody. Just going back, you mentioned the Maldonado fight. Who was the boxer? And Glover outboxed him. Uh, so I do... I rate uh, Glover's hands a lot. And then you... I mean... Rampage Jackson, Ryan Bader, John Jones, Phil Davis, OSP, Rashad Evans, Anthony uh, um, uh, Rumble, 
Kananir, Gustafsson. He's the experience that that dude has got. And he's got some serious wins under his belt. And I think he's got really, really decent hands. I think he's going to do it. Speaking really? of decent hands, not to, to derail at all, but have either of you watched the Fedor supposed retirement fight? Yeah. Uh, I saw the last, highlight from knockout. last night. Yeah, I saw the highlight, yeah. Just beautiful seeing him throw them big, heavy hands as as he's as as good as good as he's ever looked. But yeah, anyway, I loved it. But yeah, you, you, you're reckoning Glover can do it. Yeah, I think I want the fairy tale, mate. I just want to see him get it, then then retire. Like, knock it on the head, then. Like, <laughs> That'd 41. be an amazing way to go out, wouldn't it? Oh, Win brilliant. the belt and then go. Thanks very much. I'm off. Absolutely. Because I mean, does he? Does anyone really? I mean, is he be defending it? Against most likely Yuri Prohashka, who yeah. I I don't think Glover Teixeira's style matches up well with Yuri Prohashka. That'd be a proper martial all. arts movie matchup, though, wouldn't oh. it? Yuri against the kind of aging, <laughs> yeah, b- 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 beast of a guy. That'd be glorious. Yeah. And then I mean, oh. we'll get onto it maybe later. Ankalaev's fighting Uzdemir, and I think Ankalaev's got a really good shot. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at winning that belt at some point. These are the guys coming up at 205. Uh, if I was Glover, I think if he can win it, don't even bother defending it. Just just yeah. walk away as yeah. champ go. This was amazing. What a run. Um, yeah, I feel you. The other thing that's been going on with Jan Blahovic, the only thing that I think could maybe derail him mentally, and I think he's pretty mentally strong. Um, uh, and obviously he's got the luck of the old, uh, the creepy noose thing he keeps around his wrist as well oh yeah that we've if if you don't know this story look up uh the jan blahovich and the hangman's new story i think on our second ever episode Mm. of this was leading up to the jan blahovich israel adesanya fight and uh and we talk about it there as well so go back and listen to that it's an amazing story but jan blahovich has got into a bit of a twitter beef with Corey anderson who is in the uh Bellator right. light heavyweight Grand yeah. Prix final against Vadim Nemkov. Uh, that'll be coming up at I don't know some point probably next year now. Um, and and they both looked great in their in their semi final yeah. matches, didn't they? Fantastic. They really did. And I thought it'd be fun to play a little game on the on the back of that beef of like you've got Jan Blahovic, Glover Teixeira, Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov, rank from one to four. What would you do? Because I've just sprung this on you. I'll go first. I think fourth place, I think I'd go Glover. Has Glover beaten Corey? He may have done. I'm not sure. I have to look that up. No, Corey beat Glover. Corey beat Glover. So I'd go Glover fourth. I think I'd go Corey third. And then I'd go... I think then I'd go Nemkov, then Blahovic. But those two, I'm not sure. I haven't seen enough of Nemkov, really. And the big thing with Nemkov is we've not really seen him take on that kind of UFC caliber fighter yet. Spader's kind of a bit past Yeah, but I I do think he'll beat, I think he'll beat Anderson. You see, I've got it. I would go with Anderson fourth, Glover third. So, We've got the same top two and the same yeah. bottom two, but I've got them s- s- switched. I've got y- y- Jan at number two and Nemkov at number one, but I think that's slightly because of the previously mentioned Fedor 
fanboy, that Nemkov thing of just beating everyone and looking amazing outside, but you never actually have to know if he's good enough to beat the right. people in the UFC because he, he never comes. But yeah, I think Nemkov is just so good with that ridiculous power and speed in his hands, but then the ground and pound just being... Yeah. There seems to be so few who action ground and pound effectively, and he's one that just looks so dangerous with it. And yeah, yeah. I could see him getting anyone down and then just pummeling them, but it's a good it's a good four to to choose from yeah it's good fun for i mean kind of think the light heavyweight division is the one where you'd probably get the most benefit out of some kind of cross promotional mm-hmm. tournament or something because you know it's it th- there's some great people coming up like your anchor lives obviously we're big fans of paul craig and, and yuri prahashka but there's not like huge names since jones left it has definitely become mm-hmm. it's become more of an exciting division in a sense because it feels like a lot of people can beat each other but you've lost that star, that star power. And I kind yeah. of think if you did something fun, like a cross-promotional thing, and you had like your Nemkovs, Andersons, Baders, now Yoel Romero over at Bellator, yeah. Rumble Johnson hopefully is getting healthy and hopefully he'll be back. That could be so much fun. I think that would be an amazing thing. It would never happen, but it if, would be if, fun. If, if they were to do that, someone needs to make sure they've let Yoel know how many rounds each fight yeah. before it starts, <laughs> just so there's no confusion. Dear but y- Yuri feels like he could be the one in the UFC to become yes. that next star if he 100%. if it goes how it could go, and he yeah. feels like someone would be active. Like you could see him having a three or four fight year, and by the end of it being the biggest, exactly the same as Starbender yeah. did. Essentially, how yeah. he just had a really a busy year, and and by the end of it, he's the number one guy. Yeah, yeah. such an exciting company, style as well. Really, yeah, totally. I love what him. about you, Stu? What's your what's your four? How would you rank I, them? I agree with yours. Mine. Mm. Is that because you've forgotten the names he's, he's said already and thought it's easy? Flahobi, <laughs> 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 Teixeira, Nemkov, and Corey. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, yeah. I when you sort of rattled yours off, Blake, I was kind of in line with that as well. So uh, yeah. There you go. Well, should we talk about the uh, the interim bantamweight? championship uh, yes please I, mean, this is, oh, I can't this is wait an exciting fight isn't it Th- yeah this this is the one i'm most excited about i think in, fr- in terms of technical everyone knows i'm a huge bantamweight fan i always love a fighter that's tall and skinny for the weight class because that's basically how i imagine myself to be if i were to ever <laughs> get in there so i'm a huge Corey sandhagen fan and i just think bantamweight is such an amazing division so yeah i mean and also, I think this, for me, I know this is only an interim title and the champion's out injured, but as far as I'm concerned, the winner of this fight is the best 135-pounder on the planet because Sterling was getting his ass whooped by Jan until that illegal knee. Okay, Jan might be the best 135-pounder. He's maybe not the smartest, but he's one of the best. And as far as I'm concerned, I know the judges didn't agree with me, but Sandhagen beat Dillashaw for me. So oh, I, as far as I'm concerned, this is the number one in the world. Well, that's the here? bit that I think's funniest is that the excitement of this fight, quite rightfully, has just allowed us all to go, yeah, technically Corey's coming off of a loss and he's getting a title shot off the back of a loss, which seems bizarre. But 
No one cares. I don't care. It's it's, no. it's, an, it's so it's, it's such an ex- exciting fight. My only concern is how recently Corey did look beatable. Like that that Sterling fight was, you know, he he it, it looked like it was a step too far too soon. Since then, he's looked amazing. Um, but again, the, the Dillashaw one, you, you can argue either way, but either way, it was an incredibly close. Yeah. Incredibly cl- a close fight. So, have you seen what TJ's come out and said about no, um, said. about the Funk Master? He's uh, he's adamant that he'll never fight again. Like really? he reckons his injuries that bad that he's basically just trying to hold on to the belt as long as he can. He thinks he's never going to fight again. He reckons it's irre- irre- irreparable nerve damage was what he said. And Dillashaw uh, yeah, suspects Sterling has uh, sustained. Irreparable nerve damage to his neck, and he's just holding on for the belt as long as he can. Oh, when when did TJ get his PhD? Was that was that yeah. recently? Was it? Was that oh, was that? Oh, was that when he was on EPO? Did he also do like some kind of like post grad course yeah. and Ooh, get his doctor? Some, someone don't like TJ today. Oh, oh, when he had a couple of years off because of popping for drugs, he had time to study, did he? Um, <laughs> and also, where's the logic in that? Like, if you're never going to fight again, what's the benefit of holding on to the belt? The belt only benefits you if you're going to fight again because of the, the way the contracts work, mm. the extra pay you get, the, the headline. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Opportunity and all that kind of thing. It's bloody TJ. I feel yeah. as if we all piled on stew there. No, it, that wasn't a you. That was all at all anger at TJ there. I, I was about you know like sixty forty. I was I was more on TJ, but I was very upset with Stu as well for even daring to bring something up. Um, but no, look, I mean, I, I did hear that as well, mate. Look, I don't know. Maybe there's something in that, but we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I think, regardless, this is for me the best fight in the bantamweight division at the moment. I think whoever wins this for me is is the champ. I know they might have to unify against Sterling or or do a unification bout against TJ. Apparently, TJ was offered the fight. His leg is all fucked up. Why is his leg fucked up? 
because Corey Sandhagen got him in like a heel hook or whatever it was during or a knee bar during their fight. So that was damage I, done by Sandhagen as well. And then I, I think th- they also offered it to Font and Font turned it down. I feel like that TJ's yeah. got irreparable nerve damage in his, in his <laughs> legs. So I reckon he's never fighting again, to be completely honest. That's probably true. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I think Yan TJ's a great fight. Yeah. Oh, of course it is. It is. Yeah, 100%. But I, I, just, I think that's a fantastic fight. But I think that because I scored uh, the, the Sandhagen-TJ fight for Sandhagen, I'm, I, as far as I'm concerned, this is it. This is, this is the two top guys in the division fighting each other. Mm. But obviously you know a lot of people out there will, will think TJ won and, and disagree with me. That's fine. Or, or controversial thing is I think people are forgetting how good Sterling is off the back of how that one fight was going yeah. and how it ended. Sterling's amazing and he's really shown his ability to adapt and be an, in- an intelligent fighter. Like when he's had a loss, he's been able to adapt and stuff. So... I think that when he comes back, you you can't write off like if it is against Yarn. I wouldn't be assuming it's going to be the the domination that we were seeing in that past one. I think there's yeah, there's loads of potential there, but it's an it's an exciting division again, isn't it? Yeah, there's just a lot of really good people that you can can put together. Yeah, who do you and have uh, some excitement? Who do you fancy to win this one, Pip? I think Yan, but that's just because of of seeing Corey fall short once or twice. Um, He looked amazing against Frankie Edgar, but Frankie Edgar isn't what he he once was. He was incredibly close against TJ, who's at that higher level. But even TJ had been out for several years at that point. So I think it's a big test, and I think Yan is just... Has ever since he stepped in the in the octagon has looked like the the heir apparent. Definitely, definitely. Blake, what do you what, where uh, are you going with this? Uh, well, I unfortunately I do agree with Pip, but I just I think I'm going to let my heart rule my head and just say because I really do want Sandhagen to win. I really wanted to have. He seems like a really nice bloke. As I said, I love the tall, skinny guys. I think I think also you look at like his knockout of Frankie Edgar, his knockout of Marlon Moraes. I mean, this is a fun fighter. Someone that's, you know, just highlight real knockouts and all that stuff. And I know that the Sterling fight didn't go his way. I think he made a, a big mistake there. I don't think it's a mistake he would make again. And then the TJ fight, I, 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 again, I thought he won. And I thought like he won despite actually making one or two mistakes in that fight that I think he's aware of. I think he came out in an interview saying that he thought it was kind of clear that he was up and maybe he did take his foot off the gas once or twice in in rounds and maybe that's not a mistake he would make again. And I just think it's so the thing with Sandhagen is someone that's five foot eleven at Bantamweight that will throw spinning attacks, flying knees and all that stuff. Mm. Really hard to prepare for. Like, yeah. Jan will, I'm sure he would have found some people to, to emulate Sandhagen and all that kind of stuff. And But it's really hard to prepare for. Whereas Jan, you, it's hard to prepare for him because he's so skillful in so many ways. Like, the trips, the body lock takedowns and all that the kind of stuff, work. along with the, the striking. Yeah, the, the thing that just hypnotizes me every time yeah. with Jan. So, but but in terms of stature and all that, kind of an average yeah. bantamweight. So that is going to be an interesting dynamic as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Sandhagen, but I'm kind of doing it knowing that I'm probably wrong. Mm. Mm. 
Okay. Well, I mean, Pip, me and you can take a, a back seat now, and we can uh, we I can mean, let Blake I'm, talk I'm about. I'm sitting back to to hear the theme tune. Right, come on. <laughs> have, have, have you got you your Dan the Hooker jingle? For the Dan Hooker appreciation section. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hangman, we love you, hangman. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, God, just, just take a moment, shall we, boys? Just breathe Exciting, it in. right. The new BMF of the UFC, Dan the Hangman Hooker. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredible story. I mean, the the absolute for want of maybe a better expression, the ball's on the man to uh, to take uh, Islam Makachev, boogeyman of the division, on four weeks' notice. And on top of that, he's, you know, he's not got his, his usual coaching staff around him. He's not seen his family. He's only just coming off of uh, a fight where he travelled late uh, over from New Zealand and he, he's fought hack brass. I mean... He's dressed yeah. in lost property. He's dressed in Arlovsky's old holy pants and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah, it's uh, Ben Rothwell's probably lent him a tracksuit top that he'd go to bed in or something. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, there's all sorts of issues he's got going on. But kudos to him. I mean, amazing, really, that he's taken this fight. Um, the only problem for me is, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get any kind of special happy ending or you know there's no going to be no twists and turns to this i i i think we're going to get the expected ending which is makachev dominating taking him down and and probably grinding out a, a, a dominant decision because i don't see how anyone deals with that 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 wrestling and, and makachev's great on the the feet as well he's, he's got added um uh strings to his bow that, that khabib never really had in that kind of like much better striking i think but but i think it's the ultimately it's the wrestling that gets the job done for him and i think it could be similar to the drew dober fight that we saw where he just pins him down and hangman just can't find a way out of it you see i'm 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 hearing this a lot but i kind of controversially i don't think dan hooker's here for his participation medal um i think this is the hardest test that, that makachev's had by a long way you look through the people he's beaten, I wouldn't put any of them on, on, on Hooker's level, whereas Hooker has had people at least as tough as Makachev, you know, rankings-wise and, and everything else. So, yeah, I don't know. I've got a feeling that Dan's going to surprise people. It's it's always tough with Makachev. I had this with Khabib for a big chunk of his career when everyone was saying he's the best in the world. Again, I was proved wrong he turned out to be exactly as good as he seemed but there was a long time where he hadn't fought anyone particularly good yet because of how dominant he looked against middle of the pack people everyone felt he can beat he can do that to a top of the pack people and I'm just interested to see I think Hooker has got good footwork I think Hooker's got good he's good he's got good range control so I think Potentially, with his kicks and stuff, he may be able to keep... If he can control the distance, it's not going to be as easy to just sandwich him into the into the mat and uh, and, and and beat him up. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be fun, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he's there to win, don't get me wrong. I just don't, yeah. I don't think there's much he's going to be able to do about it. And you're right, I think maybe Hooker is definitely the toughest guy Makachev has fought. And I know that Hooker's fought people 
as tough, not maybe tougher than Makachev in terms of like the toughness level, but it's that wrestling, that wrestling credential where I just go, it just seems like the silver bullet. If you are someone with that Dagestani elite level wrestling, I just don't know what you do. And obviously he's got Khabib in his corner as well. And Khabib is like Mm -hmm. up for coach of the year at the moment. He's constantly, his fighters in Bellator, in in the UFC, they're constantly winning. Um, And I'd love to see it. I want to see Dan Hooker win this fight. And if he does, give him a title shot. I don't care what happens in the Gaethje Chandler fight. I don't care. Give it to the hangman. He's fucking earned it. The UFC lover company man. Give that man. And the thing is, if it's Hangman versus Poirier, what a fight we had the first time round. Let's do it again. If it's Hangman versus Oliveira, fun fight. Let's do it. Yeah, hundred percent. And and let's do it before the end of the year. And, and Dan can just stay a little bit longer, <laughs> and then go home for Christmas. He literally left the house to get milk, and then comes back four months later as UFC champion. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be it. so good. All, all over it, all over it. Turns comes home for Christmas. Wow. Just just looking ahead, um, it, it, Makachev wins, right? So yeah. if that happens, just looking at the the division and who potentially fights him for me, Darius, that'd be a great fight. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. up for some of that. Mm. Um, Did we see him in a corner last night? Yeah. Yes, in uh, uh, Vittori's corner. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, no I think Dariush Makachev is a much more even fight because I think Dariush has yeah, good course. good wrestling and, and yeah. grappling days. Um, yeah, I think that could easily be a good fight. I mean, the other thing is, though, I mean, there's permutations to the, the Gaethje Chandler fight and the Oliveira Poirier fight. That means Makachev could go straight into a title shot as well. I mean, mm-hmm. if if... if if Oliveira beats Poirier and Chandler beats Gaethje, surely the UFC aren't going to do Chandler Oliveira again yeah, so quickly. Yeah. Mm. So who else do Same you have? With Poirier and Gaethje. If 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 the other way wins, yeah. if Ga- if Poirier wins and Gaethje win, are you going to do Gaethje Poirier again? I think you Probably do. Not. I think you do yeah. because they're both fan favourites. The first fight was amazing, and and yeah. I think Gaethje has. I think any hardcores know that Gaethje now. He's a much more intelligent fighter than he was when he fought Poirier before, and he was just going, "I'm just going to keep taking shots to give shots." Yeah, so yeah, I'm just I gonna think, stand a bang. Yeah, I think I think they would do. I think they would do that. Yeah, um, and I right. still think it's a fun fight. But that thing of if Charles Oliveira wins and Chandler wins, I don't think you'd read as much as that was a really fun fight for like a round and a half or whatever. I think that's so fresh that you wouldn't do it again, and that could lead Makachev into a title shot immediately. Yeah, I think you could be right. Just uh, uh, looking at that division and looking at the the win streak Oliveira's on, the the win streak Dariush is on, and the win streak Makachev is on. That's ridiculous to have those, to have three win streaks like that currently on the go in yeah. that division, and then you throw in people who have only really lost to Nurmagomedov recently yeah. in Poirier in Gaethje. You know, so madness. With Benil, he's he's got no fight scheduled. So is this down to I know after his last win he had a baby, didn't he? I don't know if he's just taking time out to 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 be dad. I don't know. Is there any kind of way he's not injured? Is he? No, I don't know. I think it's more just everyone's booked up. If yeah, you look at I number guess. one and number two are fighting. Number three yeah. and number five are fighting, and now number six and number seven are fighting. Yeah. Um. 
and, th- and number eight is the last person he beat. Yeah. Mm. So what do you do with him? Does he fight someone outside of the top ten? That seems mad to be number four and have to fight someone out out of the top ten. Obviously, n- number ten is is RDA, who was meant to be in this fight. So, yeah, he's in a really odd position. Yeah. He's also probably just enjoying driving around his Tesla that Elon Musk gave him after the, the last <laughs> fight, after he after he called out Elon Musk. He's probably just loving life driving around in a Tesla. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Right. What's next on the card? Well, I think it might be some big boys in... Volkov and Tybora and uh I mean I, I Tybora's on a really great uh win streak I think but uh uh Volkov I think is the toughest test he would ever have had and I really rate Volkov I think he you know he's he's lost to Garn which I mean I think Garn could potentially be the best heavyweight in the world at the moment so no shame in that Lost to Curtis Blades, who's got that kind of elite level wrestling. And I think since that fight, he's kind of like bulked up a little bit more as well as Volkov. Mm. And then there was that Derek Lewis fight where he did lose that fight, but he was winning that fight pretty easily until Lewis just caught him right at the end of the fifth round and laid him out and uh, did what Derek Lewis does best, I guess. But um, So I think Volkov is like one of those guys that has been and will be in and around the top five for a long, long time. And I think Tybura's win streak hasn't necessarily had anyone to the standard of Volkov in it. So I'm favouring Volkov in this fight. Yeah, I think you could be right. I didn't really realise, though, that Tybura has beaten Walt Harris, Ben Rothwell, Greg Greg Hardy. Hardy. There's some good Mm. people there. Yeah, I mean, Greg Hardy aside, but... <laughs> but I agree. I think Volkov is great, but I think it's those fights against Garn and B- B- Blades where it has just seemed there's a there is a level above him. Yeah, and and I don't see how he closes that. Like the matchup with Garn is the perfect test because they're very s- s- similar kinds of fighters, and I just felt he looked yeah, yeah. a level down. But yeah, I think. Tybura does he's another one that feels like one that you're like where's his ceiling you know I think that a lot with heavyweights there's a lot of heavyweights a tie to a Vassa like people who you think you love them but are they going to be that upper echelon and this is I guess his first real chance to to answer that yeah I I think you know Tybura is a guy that could be in the top 10 for a while, but I think Volkov's more top five. And I think that's where the difference is. And I think Volkov could potentially fight for a belt one day, but I don't think he'll ever be a champion. Um, I, I can't see him getting a win over a Garn or even an Nganu or uh, if, I mean, I don't even want to say his name, but you know who comes back yeah. from all the shit that's going on with him. Um, and then you've got people coming through like your Chris Dorcases, like your Tom Aspinalls, who mm. I think could actually potentially surpass Volkov as well. So I think Volkov is a top five guy. I don't necessarily ever see him being champion, but but I do think he'll be able to take care of Tybura. Okay. Okay. Pip, who are you picking? Yeah, I think Volkov. I think mm-hmm. he's... he's. I completely agree with what Blake said, base. I think skills-wise, he's just got more in the bag. He feels like he's that level above. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do we want to move on to what's happening at 170? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you talk about Hamzat Shemaev, I'm assuming, yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is so interesting. I don't know if anyone has had the push that Hamzat Shemaev has had. Even Connor didn't get the Hamzat Shemaev push, in my opinion. Shemaev beat a Reese McKee on maybe like his UFC debut, who was yep. upper weight class from where he was fighting at previously, I think. John Phillips. And then at middleweight, I know that he absolutely smashed Gerald Mershart. And um, Mershart's gone on to do, you know, little bits here and there. And he's got, I think, the most submission wins in the UFC. Uh, so that's that's a good win. But for him to do those three wins, I know that two of them were within like two or three weeks of each other or whatever it was. But to yeah, go from days. that, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. But to go from that, those wins, those names, to go, oh, let's organise a fight with him and Leon Edwards, who at the time is like third or fourth in the world or whatever. You're like, mm-hmm. you're fucking nuts. There's mm-hmm. no way that that's right. That was a crazy push. And then obviously, Hamzat gets COVID, and it seems to be a really bad bout of COVID. Like, he was talking about retirement at one point. So yeah. this is interesting on a number of levels. One, was the push too much? Because uh, Jing Liang, good fighter. Again, will he ever be a champion? Will he ever really cement a place in the top five? I don't know that he would. So this is a really interesting test for Chemayev because... If Shemaev is the guy that the UFC wants him to be, if he is the guy that a lot of fans just went nuts for him for and he ended up with like a million followers overnight and all this kind of stuff, he should win this fight. Um, But there's no evidence as of yet that he would win this fight. So it's really... And then you throw in the COVID stuff where it was a bad bout of COVID. Um, How much will it have affected him long-term? These are all really interesting questions that we all want to see answered. And I don't know about you guys, if you think that we've seen enough of him to go, oh no, he should be in the top 10 of the world to weight division or, or not. I, I, I feel exactly what you're saying there. I think this would always have been the biggest test of Chemaev's career so far. Um, but you add that long period off and heavy illness because of COVID and it's so hard to give any real prediction or analysis as such because we don't know if we're getting the same fighter back now. And again, yeah. this is a tough return. Like considering what he's sounds like he's gone through, you might have thought he's going to come back to an easier fight. But the leech is no joke. He's got okay. n- knockout power at that weight class, and he can grapple. Probably not Ch- Chimaev's level of grappling, but it's not like they're so, like. The Leon Edwards matchup seemed unfair on Leon because if Leon has a weakness, it's grappling. So it felt like you're going, all right, well, you're giving him a really good guy, but one that he might be at that on Chemayev's count that he might be able to beat because it matches his his strengths versus weaknesses. Whereas 
yeah, the leech is is yeah pretty all round. So it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Mm. If I make a pick, who are you going for? Oh, it's so hard. It's he's, so he's, hard because of the COVID. There's no evidence. There's yeah. no evidence. Even without the COVID, there's no evidence to say yeah. that this man can do it. it. I might have got sucked into all the hype. If he was fighting Li Jingliang three months after he took out yeah. Mearshart, I'd go, go on, yeah, exactly let's, that, let's yeah. jump on the train. Let's go. Within a month or two, we'd go, God, we're going to have him as champion in the first year. Yeah, yeah let's do it. But... Kamaru Usman who? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's tough with that. For the story, I'll put my head situation. on the chopping blocks. Yeah, um, for the storyline, because if Li Jingliang wins, his his ceiling for me is he'll never really be a top five guy, top ten, top fifteen. He'll do well. We'll stay in the UFC for a while, but there's not really a great story to follow as a fan. If Shemaev wins, we're all going to get really excited again and go, "Fucking hell, we've got this this guy. Where's his ceiling? Who knows? We don't know what." What his limit is, and I think if Shamayev wins, we we could have a, a bit of a fun time seeing him fight a few extra people up the ranks. To, to quickly counter this, because I feel we're we're talking about a lot of fighters' ceilings in these last two. The best thing in the world is when they exceed see their ceiling. Like we we saw Charles Oliveira's ceiling a few years yeah. back. We saw Dustin Poirier's ceiling a few years back. As well. Jan Blahovic, prime example. We've seen their ceilings and then they've smashed through it. So it's not meant in a disrespectful way to say we can't see much, but on their current, of what we've currently seen, yes. it feels like totally. here's, here's what we're getting. Well, the true litmus test at welterweight seems to be Neil Magny. That seems yeah. to be the one. Yeah. And it's one where, you know, Li Jingliang has fallen short of that ceiling. Yeah, and if yeah. if Hamzat wins this, that's a fight that could be interesting because Neil Magny was desperate for that fight for say, ages. Interestingly, so. one of the only people who was calling out Chamayev exactly. going, Oh, he's popular, is he? Yeah. And I Let's mean and, and he is he's he's a great he is a great barometer for that division. I, I'm sure he yeah. wouldn't want to see himself as just that. He'd want to see himself as a title challenger, but unfortunately that's the kind of role that he seems to be in now. And yeah, that fight I against agree. Michael Chiesa, Chiesa passed that test. Yeah. And now he's looking forward, you know. Um, so, yeah. Or he, he was looking... He got beat by Luke, didn't he? Yeah, sir. Mm. Um, Am I right in saying that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. So, I mean, he was looking forward. Now, not so yeah, much. Yeah, he, uh, he got subbed out, didn't he? Yes. Sorry, he got, yeah. he got Kiesa'd. But, um, but, yes, he did get Kiesa'd. But, um, but, yeah, but th- I think it's a really... The stories of this fight are really interesting to follow. So, this is one that I think people will be watching really closely. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, we obviously want to talk about um, uh, a former guest of the show uh, who's fighting on this card. But is there any other fights that you want to sort of touch upon before we before we sort of um, eke our way into the prelims? I think I think the 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 cards a bit light on on women, but the women we have got are scrappers and mm-hmm. Hebus and and, and yeah. Yander Ober all, all, all put on a, sh- a show. I'm glad to see that closing off the prelims. So I think that will be a fun one. But again, there's yeah. yeah there's not as much to talk about in that in that division at the moment but because of um the domination at the top in all sure. of the women's divisions or the top 3 or 4 as it is in in some what? I mean that that strawweight division though is the most exciting division it's one of the most exciting divisions in the UFC let alone that like it's obviously the most exciting female division but um 
like and and we've seen like uh, Rebas is on like a was on like a five fight win streak until she ran into Marina Rodriguez, and we saw we saw what she did to Mackenzie Dern. She's mm-hmm. no joke. I mean, her versus like a Joanna Jacek would be some fight. That would be something I'd really like to see. Um, yeah. But it looks like there could be a pati- a bit of a logjam in that division because we've got Zhang Wei Li fighting Rose in yeah. a couple of a few weeks or whatever. And then if Zhang wins, you know they're going to have to do a trilogy. Yeah. If uh, if Rose wins, Esparza's owed a title shot as far as I'm concerned. She should be doing that. Marina yeah. Rodriguez is is looking great. Joanna could come back at any moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a stacked, stacked division. It's a very exciting place. And, and you know, Hebas and Jandiroba. Let's not overlook uh, Suarez in here as well, like, who obviously beat Esparza as well. Well, Tatiana, Tatiana Suarez is apparently going to 125. Oh, really? I heard right. her say on an interview on, on, uh, with Ariel Hawani a few, a few months, a few weeks back, uh, that she, she's thinking of going to 125 and her first fight back should be at 125. And yeah, that's, that's the plan, I think, for her. But, uh, but yeah, if she came down to 115 again, that's another extraordinary fighter that's had neck surgery, a bit like uh, Sterling's had and, and is, is coming back. So, uh, yeah. Where are you at, TJ? You might want to check on TJ yeah, yeah. to see uh, what, what the actual workload down is on that. But yeah, but I, I think that could be a great fight. Both are really good grapplers. A lot of wins by uh, by submissions, Jandiroba and Hibas. If I had to pick one, I'd probably lean towards Jandiroba. But I mean, I think that just could be another really good scrap anyway. Um, I agree. Should we touch on um, Lerone Murphy and his yeah. fight? Yeah. So I don't know if you guys are... Um, uh, what, what you're using for, for some of your info in front of you today. I don't know if any user are on uh, Tapology, which is uh, where, where I like to get my info from. Yeah. Um, can I just ask that you click on um, Macwan uh, Amakani's um, page and um, just check out his uh, his his picture. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I've seen look. it. <laughs> I don't even have to click on it. I know it. <laughs> Please, yes. everyone, go to Tapology and click on Macwan Amakani. <laughs> And see that picture. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I don't know why there's not a, a, a shot of him. Well, I know why there's not a shot of him fighting because he's got that photo. And uh, and he's obviously just probably got in touch with, <laughs> with Tapology and said, could you um, stick this in, please, mate? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Lerone, obviously, um, it didn't happen in... Well, when was he due to fight? It was oh, it was the cursed card, wasn't it? Was it was September fourth, yeah. The visa yeah, issues for September fourth. Of course. Well, um, yeah. I mean, and also, is, is Matt Quinn? Does he fight out of Ireland? Yeah, he's SPG guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about him. Uh, and he's great. I'm I'm a big fan of of Amikani, and he's. I was just looking at his his record. I remember the first time he got a win, he did one of the the best post fight interviews because he was saying, "I'm going to use my win bonus to buy my mum a bed because she needs a new bed at the moment." And just the, the most adorable, lovable guy. Um, but I was just looking at his record, and I think his charmingness is taking him far because his record in the UFC isn't amazing. Like the, those first two or three, I remember he beat. Or was it ugly beat by flying knee? Yeah. It just looked yeah. brutal. Um, and he looked like he could be on, on the route to being a 
a contender, but he's six and four in the UFC at the moment, which isn't the best of records. But he is explosive. He's yeah, he's he's a decent all rounder. So it's a it's a big test. And yeah, you wonder he's... at this point in his career as well, two losses on the bands. I mean, granted, one of them was to Barbosa as well. So let's you know let's take nothing away from him. But two losses on the bands loses to Larone. Does that mean? He gets cut. I don't know. Like yeah. maybe Quite. you know, you could see something Very special exactly. from him. Like knowing yeah. that this could be shit or bust. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that that potentially could happen. I think he. It, this is again. This is another one of those storylines where you go, what? Where is Lerone Murphy really? Because. I, I think he could be a fighter that is in the top 10 and doing very, very well. And I think this is the type of test that you have to overcome to show that you're going to do that. Because you look at Amir Khani's record and who are his losses to? Arnold Allen, who I think currently might have the longest win streak in the featherweight division. If not, mm-hmm. it's right up there. Um, Shane Burgos, who we've seen do incredibly well. And then he ran into uh, Edson Barboza and had that terrible uh, knockout. And a loss again then to... Edson Barboso, who we discussed and how, how good he is. The only one I don't really know too much about is Camilla Kirk. I don't really know much about him. So, I mean, that makes you think, oh, I, is that lost something? Are you on the way down there? It's only a decision. And yeah, I don't know. But I do think that Larone, if he passes this fight, he'll be, I think, 3-0 and 1 because he got that draw uh, in his debut. Uh, in the UFC, and he'll probably be looking forward into that top 15 after that point, especially if he wins in style. Mm. Um, but I think uh, Amir Khan, he is a tough out. I mean, he's, he loses a lot of his losses are usually by decision. So I, I think it could be a, a, a three-round war, but I, I would favour Lerone Murphy, and I, I will happily say that I am biased, and I want him to win anyway. Absolutely. Anyone that gets uh, shot in the face and spits out a bullet, I'm always going to be on their side. 100%. (laughs) Right, well, look, I mean, gents, have we got anything else we want to talk about uh, on this card? I suppose there's got to be a quick shout-out for Ankalaev Uzdemir, because that's a big fight in the light heavyweight division. Um, I mean, Ankalaev is on a six-fight win streak. Uh, The only loss he had was in his UFC debut against Paul Craig in that fight where Paul Craig was losing the fight and admitted on our show that he was losing the fight, threw up a triangle with seconds to go. And in four minutes and 59 seconds of the third round, which was the last round of the fight, Ankalaev tapped. And you're like, that is, that's quite something. That is, you know, the latest submission you're ever going to get in a fight, the last second of the last round. And and that was a big... derailing of a hype machine because Ankalaev yeah. came into the UFC with loads of hype and it's like you got a loss but with the greatest respect to Paul Craig you beat Paul Craig for pretty much th- three rounds like yeah. he looked really good and, and, and then he got attacked but yeah he's now on a hell of a hell of a run and um, he's dangerous yeah yeah I, I think he's really dangerous I mean Uzdemir is someone that again has been around for a little while now he gets some weird judging decisions, Uzdemir, because I remember being in London for his fight against Reyes, and I don't know how the judges scored that for Reyes. Granted, when you're watching it live, maybe it's a bit different, a bit more difficult, whatever, but uh, I was watching it live at the event, and I I really thought that Uzdemir beat Reyes. But then equally, I think I remember his fight against Rakic, which he won by split decision, mm. and thought to myself, 
I thought Rakic won that fight. <laughs> so it, there's, there's some back and forth, some, some odd decisions uh, in Uzdemir's career, as far as I'm concerned. But I, I, I would, uh, would favour Ankalaev in this fight. Six-fight win streak. I think he's coming for that belt or at least a challenge for it. And uh, I don't think Uzdemir is... I, I don't think Uzdemir is going for that belt again anytime soon, where I think Ankalaev could be. He's fought some great people, Uzdemir. Really, yeah. yeah. His wins over Serkinov, OSP and Manua, but then three losses in a row, but to Daniel Cormier, Anthony Smith and Dominic Reyes. It's yeah. Like, it's really beating Latifi and Rakic. Yeah. It's a good yeah. battle, right? Yeah. It's just a hell of a card. It's a really <laughs> yeah, great right. card. It's a really great card. Again... Followed up the week later with another insane card. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What a time. Yeah, we've got some insane cards left, right, and centre coming up. Everything they're announcing at the moment is red hot. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, typical that I'm uh, doing that fucking play. While uh, <laughs> yeah. not I love the play. It's really great. Come and see it. Uh, well, but uh, it's uh, typical that I'm missing card. all these British timed cards. I was going to say this card is the last one that they're programming against uh, UK. Th- theatres yes <laughs> so after this they go back to to theatre friendly yeah. cards and stop the yeah. the uh, the saturday night wars yeah that i've been having once my it's run the- is finished and i would be able to watch the cards that's when they're starting to put them on at like 3 a.m again so thanks very of much ufc it it's the curse it of this podcast when you was out in canada pip that's when they started putting them all on as well wasn't it yeah, Over all on here, the uk so- times i was having to get up and like set my alarm for s- seven o'clock in the morning to watch the prelims oh, come on lads um Help me well, out. uh speaking of being in canada doing acting and stuff what you got coming up pip what's happening i mean you, i know you're in the uh i mean just just mention that you're in uh the cinemas at the moment in venom yeah in uh, venom too Anything That's else? Good fun. Um, no, I've, I've been doing a, a live-action computer game recently, but that's probably out next year, I'd imagine. So yeah, not too much. It's all when you say you're doing moment. that, what are you doing? Like recording a voice for it, or are you doing like a mocap thing? No, no, it's fu- it's fully live action. It's, it's from the guys who did the film Host, which was the the huge um, Zoom-based. Um, <coughs> uh, a horror film that came out last year and their next project is a live action com- computer game and it's it's all actually us there so it's it's pretending to be a ghost hunters type tv show and m- me and alice lowe are the um are the hosts and i'm a huge fan of alice lowe she's and all great the girls yeah. who were in host are the the girls going into the house and and doing the hunt and the way the game works essentially is you're in the production van so you're choosing what cameras to go to. There's mad stuff going on. You're having to bring adverts in. It's out, yeah. It's hard to explain, but it sounds bonkers. But that's been it's been good fun to film. That oh, sounds fun. Yeah, it's Wonderful. a right laugh. Wonderful. Well, Pip, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, shout out to Brian who can't make it tonight. Normally we would have had uh, a friend of the podcast, Brian Lacey, on. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back next time to have uh, all four of the original gang back for these pre and post chats. Um, yeah, we'll be back next time, Blake. Yeah, we'll be back next time. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>